This episode of the Women Offshore podcast is sponsored by the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy Alumni Association Foundation. Their support for midshipmen in the industry is unparalleled. Thank you for all of your support, and listeners can find more information at usmmaalumni.com. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Women Offshore podcast. This is Ali Cedeno and Christine McMillan. We are both experienced seafarers. And at Women Offshore, we are making waves. The Women Offshore Foundation propels women plus into meaningful careers through access to a worldwide community and professional development resources, while raising awareness amongst industry leaders and decision makers about issues affecting women on the water. This podcast is an integral part of our mission, and we appreciate you listening in. New episodes of the Women Offshore podcasts are available every Tuesday. Subscribe on whatever platform you like to listen to podcasts on and be in the know about the latest topics related to diversity, equity, and inclusion within the maritime and offshore industries. Thanks for tuning in. We have another great episode for you today. Today on the Women Offshore podcast, I have Mr. Titus with us today. Hello and welcome. Hi, Christine. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to have this conversation today with you. And I would like to start out with you just introducing yourself. Sure. Well, my name is uh, Reynold Titus. Um, I am from Namibia, which is a, a country in southwestern Africa, actually quite a large country, but a very small population. Uh, just a uh, an interesting quote there is uh, the second least densely populated country in the world. So there's only one country that has less people per square kilometer or mile than we do. But yeah, I'm from south uh, from southwestern Africa, a country called Namibia. I currently live in Germany where I work, um, but um, that's where I'm from. Okay, great. And so can you give us a little bit of, of your work experience and your education? Sure, yeah. I um, My education, I did uh, most of my schooling, at least, um, uh, and undergraduate studies in Namibia. Uh, initially, I worked in the medical field in radiology, so that's where I initially qualified and worked in. Um, and then eventually I left. I joined uh, the inter- an international organization working as a project manager. And so I lived in different parts of the world, uh, lining up projects, working with multicultural teams. So Lived in interesting places like South Korea and Malaysia and spent some time down in Papua New Guinea. And, uh, so this is the sixth uh, different country that I'm living in for an extended period of time. Um, trying to count the other day with the kids, probably been to close to 60 different countries in the world right, right now. Wow. Um, so lived and worked in various places, um, done an undergraduate degree in, in intercultural studies and uh a master's degree in uh, global leadership in an intercultural global context. So that's some of my studies and work experience. Great. And we're going to really pinpoint on that intercultural studies part today in our conversation. So let's start out with a definition of what culture is. Sure. Yeah, there, there are many different uh, definitions of what culture is. But, um, you know, just one of the simple ways is it's the way people live life. Um, so it is some of the values uh, the beliefs, the assumptions that we hold that defines how we behave, how we act, how we interact. 
And um, those values and beliefs and assumptions are not always clear or visible that we know what we believe or why we believe what we believe. But it always gets expressed in our behavior, our interaction. And, uh, and these are things that we learn. So nobody's born with a particular culture. You know, I would say if you, for example, adopt a, a Chinese child and raise them in Namibia, in, I come from two different cultures. My mom and dad are from two different ethnic backgrounds. But if you would raise them in a particular ethnic background, that's the culture that they will, that they will know and live by. So it is something that is learned. It's not something that you are born with, unlike other, you know, traits that we have. It's something that you learn. And it is something that uh, a group of people share. Uh, so you observe, you experience it. And, and generally, we pass it on to others, whether that be in a family context, you know, when you sit around the table, we, we tell our kids how to behave, what to do. And, and that's how culture gets passed on. And that's true in the corporate world as well. You know, different organizations and companies have, their own culture. Um, some of these traits uh, of culture is more visible than others. Um, but again, uh, you know, we learn that in the corporate environment uh, that we work in and we share it with people and, and, and culture evolves as well. So culture is not static. I think if, if you and I think of, you know, our parents' generation or the generation before us, we are very different from them because culture evolves. Right. Um, and that is true in an organizational context as well, that culture evolves. So it's not something that's static. Uh, but that, that encapsulates a little bit of, of what culture is. Yeah, it sounds like culture is really what makes a human even more complex and, you know, hard to pinpoint, you know, why they did a certain thing or <laughs> why they're behaving a certain way. And so I think we're going to dive a little deeper now. But you have an amazing background in the academic world of doing research. So can you tell us about any of your recent findings and the research you've been doing? Yeah, um, sure. I mean, you know, uh, I think research is more meaningful if it is uh, if it comes out of a real need. And I've been very, very fortunate that I was able to do a piece of research that um, seems to be taken up by organizations because they realize the relevance of it and in fact, I just came back from uh, Cameroon where I spent time with a group of leaders just talking about my research and having amazing opportunities to just help organizations navigate what the research has shown us. Um, but basically what, it, what happened is, um, you know, I, the whole space of diversity. Um, I was fortunate to grow up in, uh, in a home where my parents uh, were from two different ethnic backgrounds. So I learned very early on in my life without necessarily having the vocabulary, the language for these things, but I just learned that there are different ways of doing things. And, uh, yeah. uh, and I've had to learn to navigate different spaces depending on where I was. But as I worked in the international space uh, with international organizations, uh, at one stage, in fact, an organization had approached me to develop a global leadership development program for the organization. And uh, basically, they, they realized that they were expanding and had this incredible global footprint. But if they looked at their senior executive leadership globally, um, they were basically all Western with a sprinkling of year or there of somebody who's uh, what I call the majority world, the global South, that being Africa, Asia, Latin America, and so forth. And so they wanted to develop me to help uh, and work with a team to develop a program to develop more leaders from other parts of the world to be able to rise throughout the organization. And so I did that for a number of years 
We launched a pilot project. We ran that for a couple of years. And in doing so, I realized that actually it wasn't just about increasing the level of diversity in organizations. Um, but, you know, this diversity presents us with incredible opportunities. Of course, it challenges as well in working with our differences, but incredible opportunities as well to, to harness the experience, the perspectives that these leaders bring to them. Um, but I realized that if we were not intentionally in becoming more inclusive as organizations, then we actually developing these leaders, but expecting them to conform to Western ways of doing things and often male Western ways of doing things, uh, assimilate into those cultures and do things that same way. And Mm -hmm. so at the end of the day, um, what is described as their uniqueness basically get left, they need to leave that at the door of leadership. And when they walk in, they have to conform to the way things are done. But in the process, um, they were incredibly frustrated because... They weren't operating and out of their strength necessarily. They were not bringing their uniqueness, their unique perspectives from to these organizations. And so that's when I realized if we were to harness the the gift of diversity that we have, and as I, I often talk about, you know, thriving in cultural diversity, then we needed to look at our organizations and ask our question, the question, how do we intentionally become more inclusive to people who are not necessarily part of the dominant group in the organization? How do we create and foster greater inclusivity in organizations? And so that's what I did. And I particularly focused on finding some uh, leaders globally who were not from the Western world and listening to their experiences, their perspectives, uh, what they've seen organizations have done well, but uh, also what needed to happen in order for us to really, you know, embrace and foster uh, inclusion in in workspaces, and so that's what I wrote about. is uh, is really about fostering inclusion in, in global spaces. Wow, yeah, that's incredible. And I think that it's been said that America is the great melting pot, right? But that means that a lot of the cultural complexities and the cultural beauty that a lot of people are bringing to the country are then being melted and having to conform to the norms of of what's already here, and we're losing a lot of the flavor you know, in the beautiful soup that we could be having. So, so I think that that was great that you found that in hopefully addressing it, going to find a way to raise up the people that need to be heard more. Okay. So we're, we're going to look at this as a working on the ship and you have an experience of nurturing those on a vessel. And when we're talking about how to thrive with a multicultural crew Let's start with like the power distance. Can you can we start there and explain that, and then understand how we can thrive better? Yeah, sure. You know, uh, and I just want to say, having engaged with you a little bit over the last while and looked at the work, looking at the work that you're doing, I just want to affirm the work that you're doing. I think there's so much for us to to learn from what you're doing, and particularly as you look at women in this space. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things is um, whenever I addressed some of the barriers that uh, that came up in in my research when I looked at and asked around barriers, many women came up to me and, and says to me, uh, <laughs> one used the phrase, different caste, same script. So um, they said, you know, even as women, we may be different from the people that you interviewed in your research, but the script is the same. We find those barriers. And, and one of the barriers is around the issue of power. And so, uh, you know, I and, and even in my own growth and awareness and awakening, I realized as as a man, um, 
you know, there are certain biases that I hold. Uh, and, and then, you know, we often talk about the field of unconscious bias. And, and fortunately, some of them I have become aware of because people who have helped me to see some of my blind spots and, and reading and listening and, you know, reflective practice. Um, and so really gone on an in- intentional journey to try and address that in, in my own life. You know, it's, we're just wired in a certain way. And this is where my, my medical background has really helped me in terms of understanding this particular space. You know, I know there's a lot of sensitivity around this whole issues of diversity and inclusion and power and unconscious bias and so on. But uh, for me, from a, you know, when it comes to biases and unconscious biases, as I said, I, I have a medical background and I just realize it's the way the brain functions, that the brain shuts certain things out and it embraces certain things. And, and you know, so it's and therefore everybody has certain biases. I don't think it's a matter of do I have biases or not. It's what my biases are. Right. And so for me, some of this was in the area of, of women and learning and growing and, and listening to women. And so, uh, Certain fields or careers, occupations, obviously traditionally were known to be either men or women spaces. And so those are therefore also the people who shape those spaces that determines what success looks like in those spaces, that, that determines who thrives and who does, doesn't because of the people who've, who've traditionally held power in those spaces. And I think that's true um, in, in the marine field as well. And so... Uh, power is a critical thing. Um, for me, uh, power is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, power is neutral. It's about how do we use power. Mm. Uh, do we use it for good or do we use it you know, for bad? Do we use it to uplift, uh, to foster, to grow, to create more inclusive spaces when I have, to give voice to others? Or do I shut people down and cut people out and just make sure that other people succeed? So, so it's about how we use power in the different spaces we have. And so it's the idea of power distance. And of course, there are some interculturalists historically that have done some of this research, but it's, it's really just acknowledging that there are power distance in, in any space. There are some people who have more power than others. And, um, and so those who perhaps have less power relates to the powerful in a particular way. And so they know that they, you know, it's, it's part of these unconscious or uh, invisible aspects of culture, but you need to relate to power in a certain way. Uh, if you're from a low power distance uh, background, uh, if you're from a high power distance, again, you come with a lot of, you know, that sense of power, you come with a lot of, you know, privilege that, that, that you'd have in a certain space. And so it's being a, being aware of who are the most powerful and who are the least powerful in the space, and and there are different factors that shape that power. But then, how do we relate to one another depending on on where we fall on that spectrum? Yeah, and it's super complex. And then you get onto a ship where this this tiny micro community with all these different cultures trying to work together. And so, can we can we take it one step further and just say, you know, we have the hierarchy on the ship. We always understand that the captain and the chief engineer, the decision makers, and we have to follow their lead. But but what happens if they come from a culture of a low power and they're having to lead people with a higher from a culture of, of a higher power distance? You're running into a lot of, of uh, interesting relationships that you're trying to work through. Can you could you like take us through a scenario of how how people could 
can navigate those situations. Yeah, and and you know, I I like the word that you use, complexity, because that is the reality. We live in a very complex world. You know, you you can't put people in boxes and right. say simply because somebody's for for example from a particular ethnic background or nationality, uh, he or she would you know prefer to do things this way or behave in a particular way. Um, you know. I mean, I, I look at my own kids, for example, you know, I've got four kids. They've been, they, they represent three different countries. You know, some were born in one country, some in another country, my wife and I from a third country. And so what are they? You can't put them in a box. Right. So it, it is complex in terms of who people are. And so I think the first thing that I always say to people is, um, you know, even if for those of us who have siblings, uh, if we think about it, you know, we were raised in the same home. Uh, perhaps by the same parents, grew up in the same community, but are you exactly the same? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, and so hopefully that helps us to approach people with an open mind right. and not to put people in boxes because of gender or race or the color of your skin and, and just make assumptions based on those external or visible factors, but really um, to approach people with an open mind to, you know, we talk about it in this field to go in as learners, you know, uh, cultural learners. Um, yeah. A lot of the work that has come out of the neuroscience around, uh, you know, growth mindset and just having that. But I think, you know, as I work with leaders, there are different frameworks that people use to help leaders or even teams navigate this diversity and complexity that you talked about. Uh, and one that I found helpful is the whole concept of cultural intelligence, um, yes. which really is, is is something that you learn, but it it's what helps you to navigate different cultural spaces, to know how to live and work with people who are similar and different to you. And so, you know, cultural intelligence as a framework has four capabilities that they focus on, you know. And so the first one is just the whole area of your drive. Are you motivated to learn, to grow, to understand? Because if you don't have that motivation, then nothing else works, you know. So am, am I curious? Do I want to learn? Do I know that there's um, benefits out there, both for my organization, for my team, for me as an individual, the more I understand and grow in the space? So that's a drive capability. And then there's the CQ, what we call knowledge, you know, understanding how cultures are similar and different and and so the more I grow and understand about the similarities and differences about culture, the more I would be able to, to navigate those. And of course, in different spaces, again, culture is complex as, you know, many different aspects that shape culture. But yeah, the knowledge piece. And then the third one is the strategy part of it. You know, am I able to, am I able to plan for different cultural scenarios? Am I able to uh, execute to to well to adapt even and to reflect on what I'm learning. So the whole issue of strategy, um, and then the the last one of action. You know, uh, being able to actually work differently with different people in different contexts. So that's just a framework of some of helping teams, uh, individuals, equipping them to navigate. Um, you know, this this diversity, um, and then just maybe a, a last thing there is. One of the things that I found incredibly helpful is um, conversations, you know, yeah. learning to have conversations with one another where we acknowledge the, the power distance and, and even something like language is power. 
you know, uh, those of us who speak English well, you have an advantage over people for whom perhaps English is a third or fourth language. And so even just knowing that and say, how do I engage with people who don't have the same language proficiency that, that you and I perhaps have? But actually, technically, maybe much more competent than we are in our job spaces, you know. Right. So just being aware of all of those things and, and, and navigating and then how do we have conversations? How do we build understanding through storytelling? So there are many different pieces that we can use to actually help people um, understand this and then relate to people across these different divides. Yeah, I think that's amazing because we all want to be leaders in our field and we want to be intelligent about all the work that we're doing. But I think that this is a very important missing link, the cultural intelligence part of it and knowing how to read people, knowing how to communicate well with people and knowing, like you said, I think that I think that first step is so critical as if they have a drive and if you have a drive to be curious, then that's going to be the first step that's really going to to lead off to a successful career, in my opinion. And so what what would be your advice for somebody? I mean, you just gave us four great points, but if somebody really wants to dive in and become successful at thriving in a cultural complexity, what's your best advice that you can give? And and, and then I would say, you know, this happens in, in, on multiple levels. As the individual and the action, the steps that you can take to grow in this space. Um, and so maybe just... A few things on that. Uh, of course, there's just so much rich material out there that you can read. There are wonderful podcasts nowadays on, on these topics that you can search on whichever platform you use that you can listen to. But I would also say, you know, one of the biggest opportunities we have to learn and grow is the people around us. Uh, you know, we live in this diverse world. Where we don't even have to walk a mile in most places, at least, to find somebody who's different from you. Right. or even in the workplace. And so just being intentional about reaching out to people who are different. Uh, to, with, and again, with a learning attitude. I want to learn about you. I want to learn about your culture. I want to understand better. You know? uh, so I think if, if, we, if we do that and being intentional about it, um, having meals with people who are different from us, you know, and, and sometimes just challenging our own echo chambers, you know, um, who, who are the people that I engage with who are different from me? Yes, of course, I can learn a lot from people who are like me, but I've learned so much from people who are different from me, you know, help me to see the world and myself even through different lenses. So just being intentional about building relationships with people who are different from us, uh, whether that be in the workplace, but even socially, you know, if you like running, for example, would you consider joining a running club where you engage with people who are different from you or photography or whatever, just using some of the natural things that you enjoy to connect with people who are different from us. Man. So I think on an individual level, as I said, you know, the reading, the listening, the engaging in conversations, a lot to do there. On a team level as well, you know, again, something like this, you know, you know listen to you together with a spouse, a friend, uh, a team, and just say, hey, as, as you listen to this conversation, what stands out for you? Um, mm. You know, what do you think we need to explore together? Um, because often, you know, when I listen to something, I listen to it through certain lenses. And yes. so there's certain things that jumps out at me and some things that's completely lost on me. And yet when I listen to talk to it, uh, talk about it with somebody who's different from me, they say, well, but did you hear this or did you read that? I'm like, oh, I didn't even see that. 
And so my own horizons broadens because I listen to people who are different from me. So as a team, just listen to this and, 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 and ask each other questions, you know. Uh, what do you want to know more about? How can we grow together as a team? So cultivate that curiosity and, and, and desire in a team. And then on, on organizational levels as well, you know, for leaders, uh, you know, whenever, whether I've been consulting or, you know, even working internally as a change lead or inclusion lead within organizations, is bring in outside voices, you know. Mm. I mean, I, I remember one of the teams I worked in, we were male-dominated. And unfortunately, I found an amazing woman who had done some incredible research and for one of our leadership meetings, invited her to come and share some of her research with us, invited her to share some of her story with us. And it was such an incredible eye-opener for us. So leaders can cultivate that by bringing in diverse uh, voices. And, yeah. and that's so important, Christine, is that, you know, Sometimes we, we, we contend with diversity. Uh, diversity is a prerequisite for inclusion, but oh. diversity is not inclusion because oh. we can be diverse and not be inclusive because people right. assimilate and conform and there's dominance and all of that. And so really being intentional about bringing in people who can help us see different perspectives and, and working as an organization, you know, looking at our structures, our systems, our policies, our processes, being very, very intentional uh, you know, one of the organizations I worked with, uh, we got different people to read through all of their policies uh, from different perspectives and just say, well, these policies were written and they worked historically, but it doesn't work, for example, for a working mom. It doesn't work for somebody from this background. It doesn't work for a younger leader. So how do we adopt adopt this in order to be more inclusive? So, And that's what we re where we really want to get is the systemic change. Not the occasional conversation here or there, but really systemic change where people can can thrive in these environments. Yeah, I think that's really important. So I want to take a deeper dive into this. I'm looking forward to our next conversation together. But in the meantime, do you have a book that you could recommend? You mentioned that you know there's lots of stuff out there, but what's one that we could start getting our feet wet today? Um, yeah, maybe let me let me give you two. I think one that has helped me was. Uh, a book called Invisible Woman by Caroline Zitcriado Perez. Um, so that has really opened my eyes, particularly as a man and understanding some of these issues. A friend of mine, a guy called uh, David Livermore, had just recently released a book called Digital, Diverse and Divided. And again, this is about how to have conversations with people who are different from you. So that could be a helpful one. He's written several others and many other people have written amazing books as well. But I think, you know, I, I my challenge always to people is listen to voices who are different from you. So if you're a man, for example, try and listen and read, you know, books, voices of women. If you, from the West, try and listen and read work that was written by people from the global south or the majority world, people are different from you. So again, just try and break the echo chamber. So whatever you read, course there are people like you who've written wonderful stuff that you can learn from but try and engage with voices who are different from yours yeah i love the idea of getting outside of our echo chamber because so many times we hear our own voice reverberated through our peers and we're never we're never sure what we're hearing anymore at the end of the day sometimes so if people want to get in touch with you how can they do that yeah, I think the best would probably be on, on LinkedIn. Uh, okay. So my, my name, Reynold uh, Titus, if you just find me on LinkedIn, if you want to send a message, you want to have a conversation, more than happy to do that. 
but that would probably be the best way to, to get hold of me. Great. Thank you so much for your time today. I love diving deeper into cultural intelligence with you. I hope we get to have another conversation. Uh, your research is amazing that you've been working on, and, and I hope to see future statistics come out that you have. And, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and thank you for the amazing work that you and the group are doing this thing. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. Come back next Tuesday for another new episode. If you want to propel Women Offshore forward, visit womenoffshore.shop. Make a donation or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there and we will talk to you soon.